0: Well good morning, morning. a very warm welcome to our service of worship and as we gather to worship God may you know God's loving presence with you. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 25. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. So let's worship God as we sing our first hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Mission praise number 564. Let's pray together. Loving and merciful God, you are worthy of our praise and thanksgiving, for you are faithful in your provision for all you have created, and compassionate and gracious to all who are in need and all who are in trouble. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who left the glories of heaven out of your love for us and for the world, to pay the price of our sin and make a way for us to be forgiven and receive eternal life by your Holy Spirit and become your children through faith. Forgive us when we have failed to look to you each day for our needs and for failing to follow your ways or listen to your direction through the prompting of your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us and renew us through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lifts those who have fallen and gives hope and life to all who call on him. Heal us where we are hurting. Unburden us where we are heavy laden. Guide us in the light of your presence. And help us to share the good gifts that you have given us to be a blessing to others through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Well, brought something quite nice with me today. Um, anyone recognise this? It's a box of chocolates for those of you who can't see, but. Uh, um, I brought this today just to get us thinking about for our story today. Now um, let's have a look in our box of chocolates, and I, I won't I won't give any out at the moment. But if you see me at the end, there's a few here. <laughs> have to be quick. But um, let's see what we've got here. So we've got a strawberry dream. That sounds that sounds very nice. Um, that's a, a creamy one. Um, we've got. A golden what's that one golden barrel now okay if you like strawberry who, who would that would be your first choice strawberry so there's a few hands that one or two hands who would go for the golden barrel is that i think i'd probably go for that one um let's see what else we've got um we've got a country fudge who would go for the fudge a few people like fudge okay I'll not go through them all, but uh, let's just have a look and see what other kinds we've got. Uh, caramel. Who would go for the caramel? Who who would need to visit the dentist after going for the caramel? Okay. So um, so there's quite a lot of different ones, and well, just because you you like one and that's your favourite, does that make it better than all the others? Do you think? Maybe maybe for you it does, but. Uh, Does it actually make it a better chocolate than all the rest? Well, you might argue it does for you, but actually they're just different chocolates, and they're they're all unique, and they all have something special about them. And our story today is about a man who thought he was better than everyone else. Not that he didn't think because people were different or that uh, they were special, but he thought he was better. And this is a story that Jesus told, um, really to to get people thinking in case they thought, um, I'm better than everyone else, you know. And so the the story is about two men who came to the temple to pray to God, and one of them was a Pharisee, and the Pharisee was a religious leader, and he usually was very devout, he would. he would follow god 's laws and he would do lots of good deeds um, but the other person was the tax collector, and he was uh, known for not uh, he didn 't have a good good reputation he was known for um, generally tax collectors were known for stealing and and uh, cheating people and that 's not the case today, of course, I, I should say not generally anyway so <laughs> but uh, um, but in those days, that happened quite a lot and so when we started the story, you think, well, the Pharisee's the good guy and the tax collector's not. But anyway, the Pharisee starts praying and he says, God, I'm just so thankful I'm not like everyone else. I, I'm so thankful that I'm uh, not a, a bad person. I don't cheat or steal or do evil things. and I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Well, um, that was his prayer but when we come to the tax collector jesus said that the tax collector was really feeling quite uh, ashamed of things he'd done and he didn't even look up to heaven and he was he was quite sad and he he started beating his breast and saying god have mercy on me a sinner and uh, jesus said that it was actually the um, tax collector that God heard, it wasn't the Pharisee. And that was a big surprise to people because they thought, well, no, it's going to be the Pharisee that God listens to. It's actually a tax collector because he was humble when he came to God and he realized he needed God. And this is a, a story, you can take many things from the story, but one thing we can take from the story is that we are all special to God. We might be different, but we're not better than each other is we're, we're, we're all different and special to God and we but we do need God's help and the Pharisee thought he didn't need God's help really he but the, the tax collector did and realized that he needed God's help to forgive him and also to help him in his life and that's why Jesus said at the end of the, the story that it was the tax collector who went home right with God because he had come humbly to to pray to confess his needs before God, and God answered him, whereas the Pharisee um, was just really uh, seeing how great he was to God. And so we're going to pray and then sing uh, uh, just to thank God for his goodness to us, that we are all special to him, that we can all come to him, and uh, when we come humbly, he will hear our prayer. So let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that we are all special to you. And that you love us and have made us all unique. So we can be just who you have made us to be. Help us to think how we think about other people. That we would show your love for them. And we thank you Lord that we can come to you with all our needs. And that you hear us when we come humbly. In Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to sing again. God who made the earth. That's from Junior junior Praise number 63. Let's bring our prayers for others to God now. Let's pray. The psalmist says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Almighty and eternal Father, your knowledge of us is truly amazing. And how precious the thought that there is nowhere we can go. That your spirit is not present with us. We thank you that through Jesus you have called us into your eternal family where we may know your peace that passes all understanding and the joy of your loving presence which gives us strength. Lord we thank you that out of your love for us and for this your world you sent Jesus to be Savior and Lord. So as we bring our prayers for others before you now help us to go where you send us as your hands and feet bringing the love of Christ Jesus, who has called us to be salt and light, shining brightly in the darkness. We remember those known to us who have suffered loss. May they receive your comfort and strength. For those who are sick or in pain, may they receive your healing and restoration. For those who suffer in any other way, May they receive your peace and your provision. We remember those at this time of year taking a holiday or a time of rest. We pray for their refreshing and renewal. We remember our boys brigade company on their trip to sea houses. We ask Lord for your protection over them. And your blessing in their time together. We remember those who are given positions over us Lord to administer in our country. We remember our King, our government and all our members of Parliament in Westminster and Hollywood. Bless and protect them we pray and give them wisdom and courage to make right and just decisions for the common good. We remember those who work with the poor, the disadvantaged and the suffering in our communities and elsewhere. Bless their work and help us to know our part in bringing mercy and justice and the alleviation of poverty in our world. Bless to all those who work for peace in our world between families, communities and nations we thank you for the church, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, here and throughout the world, joined together with the saints of every time and place. Bless your people here in their life and witness with the love and power of your Holy Spirit for the glory of your name. And May we live our lives in thanksgiving for all that you have done, most of all for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the living and eternal word of God, in whose name we pray. Amen. We continue to worship God now as we sing our next hymn, Above All Powers, Above All Kings, Mission Praise Number 1022. This morning I just
1: want to say that If any one of you is going through a situation, you can name it, right? Even if it's, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a disease, whether it's a problem, everything has a name, you can name it. But I thank God that we have a name that is higher than every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. And that is the name whom we are glorifying. And through this song, we are just going to remember That he is above all, he is above everything, he is above all our problems, all our situations, and when we come at his feet and we worship him, he is able to deliver us out of it all. So let's all rise as we sing it together and declare that above all powers.
2: Above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth. let Me
1: yeah. above all. Our readings this morning are from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 32 to 35, and from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 32. For the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses nine through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get in worship, hymn number four, my hope is built on nothing less, mission praise 473.
0: Let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord, we come humbly before your word, and we thank you that you have given us such great promises in your word. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the rock on which we stand. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds through your word this day, that we may know that we have heard from you and that we may go encouraged and strengthened as well as challenged in our faith to live more closely for you day by day. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds by your spirit now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a number of years ago, I remember giving a talk to a church guild meeting Uh, On the subject of humility, now, before you think anything about that, uh, it was the theme of the guild that year. Uh, It was based on the phrase from the Bible, to walk humbly with your God. And in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, the prophet records a question God had for all his people and an answer. And the question is this, what does the Lord require of you? And immediately the answer is given to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'm sure when we examine that answer given in Micah 6 verse 8 to what God requires of us, we'd probably agree that acting justly and loving mercy are good things. And when we consider who God is as revealed in Scripture, we'd recognize that God is both just and merciful, and his very nature is love. So it's not surprising that God asks his people, those who have become his children through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, to do these things. The requirement to walk with God by faith through our lives also speaks to us of how God desires us to know him and to grow in a relationship through our lives with him he doesn't want to keep us at a distance he wants us to draw close and to take joy and find strength in knowing his presence his loving presence with us through all our days however it's the manner in which we're required to walk with God that's our focus in our bible passages today God requires that we not only walk with him, but that we walk humbly. And so, if prayer is our way of conversing with God, it implies that in our prayers, humility is also a vital ingredient. And this, of course, was lacking in the approach of the Pharisee in Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Humility was definitely missing in the way that the Pharisee prayed and the words that he used. Rather, it was pride and self-justification that was on display in his prayers. Pride and humility are often spoken of as opposites. In fact, one of the Proverbs we read, we find this very thing in Proverbs 3, verse 34. It says that God mocks proud mockers but shows favor to the humble. In fact, in uh, James 4, verse 6 and other parts of the Bible, it teaches that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so God is very definitely for humility, but against pride. But what's the reason God is so clear about the need to have one and not the other? Well, before we answer that question, let's just clarify what we mean by pride and humility, because the word pride can have good and bad connotations. We can, for example, legitimately feel pride in our family or someone's achievements without it necessarily being a bad thing. But when pride sets us up over other people so that we look down arrogantly on those who don't seem to, to meet our standards or do things the way that we would like, that's definitely something we should be aware of because it can lead to a distorted view of ourselves and others. It can lead to an exaggerated view of our own importance and abilities. The story is told of the famous boxer Muhammad Ali, uh, who was flying one time on route to a, an engagement, and during the flight the aircraft ran into severe turbulence and soon was violently shaking. And The passengers were immediately instructed to return to their seats or fasten their seatbelts and everyone complied except muhammad ali and noticing this a stewardess approached him and asked him to fasten his seat belt and muhammad ali replied Superman, don't need no seat belt the stewardess took one look at him and retorted superman don't need no airplane either you do so fasten your seat belt Well, we might laugh at this sort of over-inflated view people can have of themselves. But the darker side to pride, as we're going to see through Jesus' parable, is that it separates people from each other and from God. If that's what pride's about, what about humility? What is it exactly? Well, true humility is having a healthy view of who we are and who we are in relation to God. It's not about putting ourselves down or having false modesty. Neither is it about looking at everyone else and thinking we're not good enough. No, this is about having our focus in the right place and that place is on God and his word. First and foremost, after which everything else, including our view of ourselves, falls into the right perspective. We have to see both how small we are in the grand scheme of things but also how amazingly loved and special and important we are to God. We're to see both that we need God's grace in all things but also that God has given us gifts and talents that mean we should never underestimate what God can do through us for the blessing of people around us and our world. The American president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, for example, with all the power that he had. Some would say at that point, the most powerful man in the world. He used to do something to help him refocus. He used to have a little ritual with a friend of his, a famous naturalist, William Beebe. And after an e- evening chatting together, the two men would go outside and look up at the night sky, gazing at the stars they would find the lower left-hand corner of the big square of the constellation Pegasus. And one of them would recite these words as part of their ritual. That is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It's one of a hundred million galaxies. It is 750,000 light-years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. I think the numbers would be bigger today now that they've found out more, but uh, they would then pause and Roosevelt would say, now I think we feel small enough, let's go to bed. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens above. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But rather than staying in that place of seeing how small we are in the vastness of God's creation, we also need to remind ourselves of how special and important that we are to God. As John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And in that well-known verse, we have, in a nutshell, the gospel message that God cares for each one of us so much that he sent his Son to be our Savior. And if he did that, it shows how much he values us. Walking humbly with our God rather than living with pride in our hearts, therefore, has a lot to do with where we're looking and how we're, what we're focused on. let's dig a little bit more deeply into Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's a story of contrasts. The Pharisee was, on the outside, highly respected in his culture. He appears very devout in the way he lives, fasting regularly, giving a tithe of his income to God. The tax collector, however, was an outcast in the society at the time, as I'm sure many of you you know that uh, tax collectors worked for the, uh, the Romans, the enemy occupying force, and many were known to cheat and to steal, to line their own pockets and become rich off the backs of the people. But the twist in the story, which surfaces quite early on, is that while the Pharisee's prayer is filled with pride, the tax collector is humble and penitent. So that rather than God being pleased with the Pharisee, and displeased with the tax collector following their prayers as those who were listening to Jesus would have been expecting. It was the other way around. It was a tax collector, not the Pharisee who, as Jesus said, went home justified before God. And if we examine the, the Pharisee's prayer, it appears to begin well by beginning to thank God. And Thanks and praise is always a good starting point in prayer. If you're ever stuck knowing what to pray about, just think of something, even something small, you can give thanks for and take it from there. But very soon we see that this isn't about thanking God for who he is or what he's done. This is a self-congratulatory prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. And so the focus of his prayer isn't really God. It's, it's him. He is the center of attention. And he's essentially worshiping himself and not God. But as he starts to put himself at the top of the pile, proudly boasting how good he is, it inevitably, inevitably leads to a comparison with others. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And this kind of pride inevitably leads to making comparisons and judging others. In a sense, he's really mocking the tax collector and trying to make out how bad the tax collector is before God. And part of the problem is also that pride leads to self-justifying in order to support his viewpoint. The Pharisee goes on to list the things that he's done, as if to justify himself to God. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. And on the face of it, those are good things to do, if done from the right motives. If he fasted to spend time praying to God, all well and good. But more likely, as Jesus alludes to in other parts of the Gospels, some Pharisees were only too happy to let others know their good deeds and receive praise from the people around. And so it was motivated often by wanting to be respected. Rather than for love for God. And giving a tenth of his income to God was what was required. But again, it was something he wanted others to know. Or was it? It was probably something that he would tell others about. And, and so the, rather than just respecting his piety, he would... Um, he would keep it, uh, rather than keeping it secret, he would have others respecting his piety. And so was it really something that he was offering solely to God? Well, we don't know about this, this is just a story of one Pharisee, but Jesus talked often about the Pharisees, how they would display their good works before others. And so the motivation we have to question, given his prayer in in this story, and Jesus addresses this past parable to those who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, it says. The pride of the Pharisee in the story led to an ungodly view of himself and others. It led him to try and justify himself by comparison with others. And yet, in re- reality, we, we can't justify ourselves to God in this way. We all fall short of his perfect standards. We all sin and it's only through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus that our sins are dealt with and that we're made right with God because only God can forgive sins and justify us and make us right with him through faith and trust in all that he's done for us through Jesus. Reeling off a list of our good works and comparing ourselves with others is never way to please God or make us right with God. Only by relying on God's grace and mercy through our Lord Jesus can we come in repentance, confessing our sins and receive God's forgiveness and have a restored relationship with him. Only Jesus makes us right with God because he has paid the price for our sin. The tax collector in Jesus' parable then comes with the right attitude rather than trying to justify himself. He recognizes his need of God's forgiveness and mercy and cries out from his heart God have mercy upon me a sinner. Rather than pridefully reciting his good works to God as a Pharisee does he recognizes who God is and who he is and praise accordingly and because he comes in humility seeking god's grace and mercy god is bound to show favor to him because god's heart is to forgive the sinner and to lift up the broken hearted the pharisees pride and mockery of those around him is a prayer that god can't bless the tax collector with his honest and heartfelt cry to God, is the one that receives an answer. And God justifies him and sets him right again. And so Jesus reveals God's amazing love and grace and mercy for each of us. He shows by the story that uh, through the tax collector's prayer that God's mercy and grace is open to all of us but we need to respond in humility, recognizing our own need. It's not about comparing ourselves with others or justifying ourselves or judging others. It's about turning our eyes to our Lord and seeing ourselves in the light of his love for us and for all people. The love that sent his son to die in our place so that we can live forever. For when we begin to see ourselves as dearly loved by God, his love begins to flow out to others so that we can love them too, just as he loves us. And God uses the most unlikely people to bless the world. The very next chapter of Luke's Gospel tells us of a tax collector, not just a story this time, but someone, a real person called Zacchaeus, who became a follower of Jesus and that change in Zacchaeus' life led to a change in that city of Jericho, as he gave his riches away to help the poor. And Jesus' disciple Matthew was another tax collector, who was inspired to write the gospel, which opens the New Testament, which has been read by millions over the, the centuries. But there was also there were also Pharisees who changed after meeting Jesus. was hope for the tax collector and the Pharisee. The apostle Paul began as a Pharisee fiercely opposed to the Christian message and he persecuted the church until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. God then used him mightily to spread the gospel far and wide and also inspired him to write letters to the churches, now part of the New Testament, again which continues to be read by millions Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector then encourages us to walk humbly with our God, to see ourselves and others through the lens of God's love and grace and always to pray honestly and openly from our heart. For those are the prayers that God hears and loves to answer. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word and the way that you teach us through it. And we thank you for this story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we thank you for the the grace and the hope that there is in it that uh, whatever our past, whatever we've done, we can come to you if we come humbly and know that you will hear us. We thank you that... uh, you do change people's lives that even Pharisees and those who are opposed to you came to know you and we thank you Lord that uh, today we can still see your transforming work in people's lives we ask that uh, you would strengthen us with your hope this day and help us to know that we can come to you in prayer with all that's on our hearts that we can come to seek your forgiveness and your guidance and your provision for us. Gracious God, you are the Lord of creation and the lover of our souls. You have given us everything for our good, and most of all, the gift of forgiveness and life forevermore through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask that this day you would accept our gifts and our service for the work of your kingdom and the advancement of the gospel, which brings life and wholeness and freedom through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We close our time of worship with our final hymn this morning, Before the Throne of God Above, Mission Praise number 975. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil, and may God himself, the God of peace, make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen.